Hey everyone, it's time for another edition of Beaver Banter. Beaver Sports Talk lives here. It's the Beaver Banter Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Baumgartner, joined with my co-host, Ian Rivers. And Ian, another great week to be a beaver. But first, let's set our sights on talking a little bit about uh, something that we've been uh, discussing on the podcast the last couple episodes. It's been the Frozen Four. And uh, I'm just going to give you the floor on this one. There's no good uh, segue or intro into this thing. Yeah, I mean, we've been covering college hockey all year. And it's kind of more of the same, even though the Beavers are out. It's got national implications. Um, of course, we all know the four teams that were there. Uh, Minnesota, BU, and then Michigan, Quinnipiac. Those first two games were pretty good games. Um, I think Minnesota, by the end of the third period against BU, had kind of wrapped it up um, onto the national championship game. Quinnipiac, Michigan was much more intense and competitive throughout. And then that third period rears its head and Quinnipiac finds a way. Um, and that story holds true all the way through to now the uh, national champion Quinnipiac Bobcats. So obviously um, I myself as a self-proclaimed Gophers fan, part-time Gophers fan, um, not great, man. Uh, just the exact way that you would want them to lose. You know, if you're going to be like, let's write a storybook on how we can heartbreak these fans of this team the most how can a Minnesota a sports team collapse in a championship? Yeah, and it, man, the weirdest thing is like the way that they did it too. They just, they got away from what they had been doing all year long. I prefaced it on Twitter um, as they're just sitting in a shell defense, essentially absorbing pressure for 30 minutes of a hockey game. I'm like, man, where have I seen this before? Oh, it's Bemidji State. But the thing about Bemidji State is they don't have the offensive firepower of, I don't know, a guy who's currently in the NHL and two other guys who are currently in the NHL as we speak already. So it's it's really difficult to see how they decided, yeah, let's sit in. We're up 2-0. And then, I mean, they give up a goal within two minutes of scoring. So it's 2-1. You're not going to hold them off for like 28 minutes. It's just not going to happen. They did it for 26. And uh, then, of course, two minutes left in the game. Close what's let's one between his wickets and uh 10 seconds into overtime. Um I mean, other than the the original face-off that was won into the gophers bench, the gophers did not touch the puck in overtime. And so it just man. Um, uh, but congrats to Quinnipiac. I don't know if I brought this up on the show, but I would have preferred not losing like if that was a Michigan loss, uh, you wouldn't have heard from me from, you know probably here until the start of the football season. You know, I'd just be in my shell, uh, let alone losing the national championship to Michigan. But I'm glad Quinnipiac, they hadn't won it before. Uh, their head coach, Rand Pecknall, seems like a, a really good guy. Uh, just that postseason or the postgame uh, interview. I listened to most of it as I was putting my shoes on to leave uh, the house uh, to go clear my head. But, um, you know, it, congrats to Quinnipiac. They were the best team in the tournament uh, from top to bottom. Um and you know what, if Minnesota, oh, Minnesota is so more talented, but at the end of the day, that result is right there, you know, and now Minnesota's got a deal just like they have every year with players leaving uh, for the NHL. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Um, and, you know, as we start to narrow ourselves back into the, to the CCHA, uh, as, as the future brings us uh, closer to Beaver hockey season. Um, but, I mean, that's still a ways away. And and this was a, it was, a, 
it was a tournament for sure. It was, you know, the first couple of games, man, there wasn't many good ones. We talked about that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, how was it just all blowouts and this frozen four, I think lived up to, to the hype of the four t- teams that were in it. And I think that's the good thing when you, when you see years where it's like, Oh, wow. You know, these are three, uh, there's a three seed and a four seed in it this year in the frozen four. Maybe those teams end up not holding their weight all the way. You know, once you get that two week break and now you've got to, ride your momentum and stay hot that way that late into the season that's when it can start to trip teams up so overall uh hopefully Bemidji State can figure some stuff out uh to get there for next year and I I know that we'll be doing a a little bit of a you know bonus episode well not a bonus episode uh but next week's episode will be uh heavily influenced in beaver hockey so we'll touch more on that um and how the beavers can get back to their NCAA tournament next season next week yeah, and you know, uh, Ian, you mentioned one quick thing, and then we can wrap up the the college hockey discussion. Is uh, it was very Bemidji State esque in a sense of playing that shell defense and playing to not lose. And I know, like you said, the talent disparity with the Gophers and the Beavers this year was notable. But is there something? And I know you've been you've been vocal about this all season long. Is there any takeaways? that Saratori and the, and the coaching staff can take away from, from watching this final four. If you were going to have like your notepad and give them like one or two things that you saw in this tournament, they said, Hey, look at that and take note of how this team goes into next season and through next season. Is there anything you're telling him? I don't think that there's anything I learned in the tournament that, you know, you can say, look at this, this is exactly other than, Hey, look, maybe you can't see it when it's right in front of you. Right. I was just, um, I had an instance of this the other day. Like I don't realize somehow uh, sometimes how lazy I really am. And then I saw an example of somebody being lazy on the internet and I'm like, man, that kind of sounds like something I would do. And I don't like that. And maybe, so maybe you have to see from their eyes, like, wow. Yeah. This is what it looks like from the outside looking in when we just shell up and kind of try to play defense. You know, this isn't soccer, you know, in soccer, if you've got 30 minutes left of the game, sometimes that's the best thing is just to sit in, clear the ball out, but there's no icing in soccer and all the time that it takes to kick that ball all the way down the field and run it back. That can waste up to a minute sometimes, especially by the time you get an actual attacking chance in hockey, the attacking chances can come in the blink of an eye. So just playing that, that soft defense prevent defense almost for the entirety of the third period just almost never works out for the team that's trying to play defense. And hopefully we can realize that and, you know, I, like I said, there's there's a big difference offensively in what Minnesota's throwing out there than what Bemidji State is. So maybe the plan for Bemidji State was, hey, we're going to lean somewhat on our veteran defensive core and pretty good goaltender, um, and we're going to take some of the pressure off our offense here in the third period. Try not to lead to any mistakes, but when you play too defensively, it, it can – like, and that's the thing. Justin Close for Minnesota played – he was locked in that third period, but guess what? You have to be locked in every single time that ball or that puck comes to you. And it's so impossible to, to just be 100% for so many shot attempts. And the, the, the damning stat was 14 to two shots uh, in the third period for Quinnipiac over Minnesota, two shots with a top line of Matthew Nyes, Jimmy Snuggard and Logan Cooley. They had more shot attempts than that. Some of them just didn't hit the net, but Man, I mean, it was it was uh, it was weird seeing a team that talented offensively kind of shell up like that and get nervous. It looked like, but um, 
you know, that's, that's Minnesota sports. And uh, I, I don't want to say that, you know, especially in the, uh, in the realm of college hockey, I don't want to give credit to Minnesota Duluth. We don't like doing that here. No, but, um, they've won three titles in the last like 12 years in college hockey. So we can't just sit here and say in the broad spectrum, oh, Minnesota sports never wins anything, especially when you're talking about college hockey, because it is a Minnesota team. It's just not like the main, the biggest. Um, I was actually thinking about that. I wonder, you know, th- if this would be a question we could post on Twitter or, or how much engagement we would even get. But what, who do you think the second biggest college hockey program is in the state of Minnesota? Do you think it's Minnesota Duluth? I would say it's between them and Mankato right now. Well, yeah, Mankato I mean- just you know, that's the thing with that. But even still, even if uh, Hoskins would have stayed, I, I still think that it, as much as I hate to admit it on this podcast, I'm going to go throw up afterwards, but uh, it's probably <laughs> Duluth because they're the only other school that's got championships. I mean, St. Cloud state has had good teams and Motsko of course has, did a good job. They're setting up the program, but I mean, th- I, I think it's probably got to be Duluth for that fact alone. But I mean, <sighs> I don't like saying that. I don't like admitting it, but well, then again, the I got to give too. Mankato or St. Cloud credit and I don't want to give them that either. So yeah. I think just the pedigree combined with the fact that Duluth is kind of more of a secluded, you know, they're their own world. If you're St. Exactly. Cloud, you're basic, you're, you're an hour from the cities or less. I just drove an hour south to Belle Plaine this last weekend and I looked at a street sign and it said Mankato was only about 40 miles away. And I was like, man, sometimes I forget how close Mankato is to like where I am and where the cities are. And so not to say that they're necessarily that doesn't mean that there are any less Mankato Maverick fans, but still like it's your it that Duluth hockey. It's like North Dakota. That is the sport up there. And that's that's kind of what they get into. So I would have to. Well, and Bemidji State would be that way if Bemidji wasn't just as small of a, compared to those other places, as small of a town as it is, you get a lot of room. Now, Duluth is about two, two and a half hours from the cities, maybe two hours. So it's not like it's necessarily far just going south on 35. But yeah, it's its own community up there. Duluth is like the geography is different. Things are different. You're on the lake. Everything, everything about it's different. I lived there for two years. I mean, it's. It's its own area and they, but they're not, it's not like St. Cloud and the cities or uh, Mankato and the cities, like you said. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right about that. It just seems to be, you know, once you get kind of north and you come down the hill, it almost seems like that hill that you come down when you're looking over, you know, Mm -hmm. you see the, you see like Spear, that's like the barrier and it's just like a whole new world up there. Um, So I would have to say and and fully agree. And I, I think you're right. If Bemidji could get, any sort of uh, sustained success and some sort of pedigree. Um, and, we, you know, what is that going to take? We don't know. But I think it would be absolutely phenomenal to get an atmosphere um, in the Sanford Center that kind of rivals some of these other Minnesota programs. Yeah, exactly. So uh, moving on to some other areas, because we can go full on hockey next week, uh, which I think would be is going to be really fun. So stay tuned for next week's episode. We'll, we'll take a deep dive into Bemidji state hockey, but uh, moving on to some other sports here, Ian, uh, we were just talking before we started recording the podcast, Bemidji state baseball is finally practicing on the field. Thanks to finally warm temps this week. Uh, It's done a number on snow. Uh, I know down where you are, Ian, most of the snow is gone, Uh, but there's still, it's still hanging around a little bit up here. Although the last couple days, I would say Sunday, there was still a majority of snow here. Now it's 
pretty much gone up in Bemidji, just a little more snow probably than here. Uh, and there's still patches of snow all around the baseball field. But if you look on Bemidji state baseball's Twitter account, they're practicing on the field, trying to get some light workout in, I'm guessing probably just trying not to rip up the infield too much, but, uh, you know, that's a, it's a good sign for them. They're finally going to get some home games, probably needs another week or two to dry up, but having a grounds crew and being able to, to take care of that, I think, Bemidji State Baseball should come back soon. They're already playing games in softball at the Chet and a, a really welcome sign to finally start to get uh, start to get some momentum built up with these two programs at their home fields. Yeah, and with a little bit of time to spare in the season, there's, you know, two, three weeks left of the season here at this point. Um, it goes into early May. So a little bit of time here to hopefully get some some reps in on your home field. That's That's got to be a really good feeling. Yeah, I've I've got most of my snow melted. It's been up in the 80s today, as unbelievable as that is to say. Like 13 days ago, I was standing outside and I would have thought it was the middle of January with how much <laughs> snow we had. And now it's it's like feels like midsummer out here. So I've got a little bit of patches of snow along the building next to me where the shade kind of lingers all, all day long. But other than that, it's it's pretty much gone. So hopefully the beavers can get uh get some games in eventually at uh, the BSU baseball field. Yeah, and it's what we've always talked about. The hard part with recruiting with Bemidji State softball and Bemidji State baseball is you really have to wait till you get to April, like mid-April, before you can get onto your own field. And that's just even to practice. Uh, BSU softball field, I'm sure, is just a mess right now because of the dirt infield. It's You're not getting onto that thing for a while. You're playing games at the Chet, which, again, you're still playing them at Bemidji State, which is nice because you don't have to travel, but also you're playing it on a football field with rubber bases thrown onto the onto the ground. So, and I know they're not the only school that has to do this, but Bemidji State is the last one to finally get the fields ready, them and Crookston, uh, because of the conditions. So uh, it's a little tougher, but hey, you know, they, they make do. And for uh, track and field, I'm just going to get this out of the way. Uh, here, uh, track and field, uh, they're in Los Angeles, so I don't think they need to worry about uh, conditions anytime soon. Uh, they have meet day today as we're recording. Uh, they're in California in two meets. Uh, they have four student athletes competing at the LA Twilight and Mary Goodwin at Brian Clay in California. So a nice little road trip for the track and field team. Uh, tennis, by the way, hosting a pair of NSIC matches this week as well uh, at Gillette. Uh, so that's a, a welcome sign for them. They Those two programs haven't been as necessarily impacted. Uh, but swinging back over uh, to softball here, Ian, because uh, for baseball, you know, it's great to get back on the field. It's great to do your thing. Still still just a grind of the season for them, BSU baseball, only with, uh, with two wins so far. And... Looking at softball now, uh, they got back out onto the field and they're able to uh, play some games here at the Chet, as we mentioned earlier. And they played, uh, getting down to my schedule here, uh, they played some games. I uh, had their games against Minot State canceled, uh, but were able to get in a couple at Winona State last week, played uh, where they lost both games. Then they played Upper Iowa and split with them down in Fayette. And then they split in a doubleheader with Duluth at the Chet, winning one nothing in the first game and then losing 2-4, to four, but that one went in extras. That one was uh, done in the eighth inning. 
Yeah, and that's something that I I took notice of because I I remember uh, I remember that we were talking just a couple of weeks ago about how some of the results in the conference just outside of conference play and some of those warm up games um, earlier this season they weren't going so well. The sixteen zero loss to Duluth followed up by a thirteen to two loss to Duluth. Uh, it didn't give you much hope when you come into this series, and Bemidji State held their own. I mean, it was an eight. Yeah, it was Duluth's a good team. You you get a win in game one and then take it to eight innings uh, in game two just to, just to lose uh, a heartbreaker. But I think that's a really good result in terms of, you know, where this team's looking to end up this season. Yeah, I mean, Duluth on the year is 24-8. and eight. They're 10-3 and three in the NSIC. So for the Beavers to be able to hand them one of their losses is a nice little feather in the cap to their season as they're kind of uh, treading water around that 500 mark. Uh, Kayla Damerout was the pitcher in the, in the game. She ended up going uh, a complete game, which in softball happens all the time, not quite like baseball, but uh, still for Bemidji state. And of course the uh, go ahead double by Mariah Stevenson uh, is what gave them that one, nothing lead. So again, a, a nice little feather in the cap for the softball team. It's uh hovering around that 500 mark, but to be able to beat a team like that gives you a little bit of confidence. It would have been really fun to see them play UND. They had a series in Grand Forks. Of course, that got canceled because of the weather. Uh, so now they have their sights set for games tomorrow uh, against Mankato. That will be at Chet Anderson Stadium as well. And then over the weekend on Sunday, they have a doubleheader against Concordia St. Paul. Bemidji State is a nice little homestand. They don't have to travel until April 22nd, and they haven't had their last road game since April 8th. So a nice little two-week period where they don't have to travel at all. Nice little uh, change of pace for them. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully this the end of the season uh, goes pretty well. Um, we've we've got ourselves in the tenth spot right now in the NSIC, clinging to life with a conference record of three and five. And that's the thing that I was wondering about. Like we've only played eight conference games. There's teams below us that have played Concordia St. Paul, I believe, has played fourteen right now. Uh, MSU Moorhead's played twelve. Winona State at the top has played twelve. Fourteen for Minnesota Duluth. So it's going to be. I'm curious to see how many of these games get made up because like we talked about some of these games, Minot State says canceled Northern States says canceled. Um, so when is that going to get made up or, or is it, is it just canceled and they it take just, it based off of the percentage of your, you know, win percentage. My um, guess is it goes off percentage. That's, that's what I'm going to assume for now. Um, but hopefully uh, the Beavers can keep themselves in because I've done some research the NSIC softball tournament is a 10 team double elimination four day tournament. So the top 10 teams in this uh, in the um, tournament make the NSIC tournament um, with the bottom four of that seven through 10, having kind of the play in games on Wednesday, the third uh, before most of the games start later on in the day. So right now we're in, hopefully we can stay there because it would be nice to get a little bit of a postseason. uh, postseason action to talk about um at least in one of these spring sports uh so that's 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 what i'm hoping for uh going forward yeah and you know especially with uh softball a team that had a nice little uh start to their season and then kind of uh once they get into conference play have been a little bit a struggle trying to find their footing but if you look at their it's really fascinating the record because they're one and one at home 
against Duluth. They split that doubleheader. They're te- uh, 11 and 10 at neutral site games, but they're two and five in straight up road games. So I don't know if that's just because you get to the familiar opponents in the NSIC or the teams you played in your non-conference uh, just aren't as tough when you look at the Providences, the Carroll College, Montana State Billings, Clarion, Pittsburgh, Johnstown, uh, a whole bunch of other things. But anyway, uh, Ian, uh, let's move into some other uh, sports here. Uh, some news across the Bemidji State sports landscape. Uh, Bemidji State four hours ago tweeted out on their women's basketball account that Sammy Buss has committed to Bemidji State. Uh, looks like she's from Nina, Wisconsin. N e e n a h. Any any pronunciation on that one? Not a clue. Not a clue. Yeah, I got. Nothing on that one, but uh commitment for the girls basketball team. I haven't or women's basketball team, excuse me. Uh haven't seen uh anything uh any other commitments or anything uh else related to that in terms of the signing day. Uh but according to Bemidji State Beavers uh dot com, uh, they added her to the recruiting class. She's a five six guard. Uh she competed at Xavier High School for first three years and I finished at Nina High School. Um she had ranged throughout uh, high school, earning multiple accolades for premier shooting. Uh, as a freshman, Bus was named to the first team All Bay Conference and was in the top ten, uh, Division three for three point challenges. As a sophomore, she's unanimous in the first team All Bay Conference. Uh, the kind of going down the line here uh, with uh, some of her uh, some of her career, trying to get to know a little bit uh, more about her. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, adding another guard uh, for that class. Anyway, uh, the other news is that the spring game for football is on Saturday. Uh, obviously, there's not really a way to watch the spring game or they don't broadcast. It's not quite like uh, the Big Ten Network broadcasting all their games or ESPN or whatever. Uh, but I remember uh, the spring game's got a fun vibe. I remember covering it uh, when I worked in the athletics office. I was running the Twitter feed uh, for a game about four or five years ago, and it's just a fun vibe. Everybody's loose and just excited to be back out on the field in some kind of a game setting. Uh, I mean, it's just the spring game, but Ian, what are your thoughts on it? Well, it's the first look at some of the new guys that we've got coming in and and some of the guys that we've already had that are going to have bigger expanded roles this season. It's going to be a little bit of a you know, a little bit faster paced, you know, than practice probably reps for Brandon Alton as a new receiving core, um, all this new running back stable that we've got in uh, defensive players that have now had to step up to fill the roles uh, of some of the seniors that have left uh, before them. So it's really just a good way for the guys to get their feet wet. And uh, like you said, not too much coverage on it other than uh, probably a couple news articles or something like that. But um, in terms of watching it live, if you're in the Bemidji area, I'm sure you can go down and watch that event. But uh, other than that, not much to say that doesn't sound pretty cliche. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just it's a spring game in football. Um, yeah. I'm expecting it to be about as big as Ohio State's. Uh, there'll probably be upwards of 20, 30,000 people there, uh, right? At Bemidji State, they're a football community now. So, yeah, <laughs> obviously, I'm kidding. We are hashtag yeah. football uh, school, so. Yeah, I mean, if if I were up there, if I were a little closer, uh, I don't have anything going on this weekend. I would consider it, um, but <laughs> don't know if I want to make a three hour trek up north just for a spring football game. So, no, uh, you, you gotta you gotta have some plans uh, yeah. to hit up a couple spots around Bemidji. And I've been out of college now for so long. I don't even know the you know the I don't even know where the youths like to hang out. So, 
Right. <laughs> uh, but with that spring game, uh, I think the big question is, and it won't be answered in the spring game, but an interesting kind of thing if you're looking between the lines is who is Brandon Alt's go-to guy now? Of course, Brandon Bolio graduated. Uh, Jalen Fry is out of the program at running back. Uh, so how does that dynamic work? Uh, just kind of seeing some new faces on defense as well. I think uh, really the question is with the offense, because as we talked about with Bemidji State football all the time, they can only go as far as Brandon Alt can take them. And Brandon Alt having Brandon Bolio, I mean, their high school teammates, their college teammates. I mean, it was just a really good connection for them. They had a lot of each other's trust. And will we see, and now Alt's a guy who will throw a ball anywhere on the field to anybody, but Brennan Bolia that trust of I'm going to go catch it and would go catch it. Uh, so does he have that same trust for everyone else? And can those other guys make the plays? That's going to be a storyline that we're going to follow into next season. Uh, but our first little taste of it, you can get at the spring game. Yeah. And like you, you touched on with Bolio, it wasn't necessarily just, well, you know, screw it. Bolio's down there somewhere. It was, you know, I'm, I'm at the, the playoff game against Winona and I'm watching it live and, I'm watching Bolio work when we get down towards the red zone on some of his, his touchdown catches in that third quarter. And I'm looking at him and I'm watching him. I'm watching him. I'm like, okay, he's got his guy beat. Ball should be coming. There it is. Alt's already thrown that ball. He knows that Bolio's going to beat his man or at least get in a position where he can make that catch on the sideline in the end zone. It's just incredible to watch their connection. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. It's going to be uh, – it's probably not going to be answered in the spring game. They're probably going to be a little more spreading the butter around, uh, you know, not necessarily singling out one target or not, but uh, it will be interesting to see who is that guy or if it's kind of just a death by a thousand paper cuts. We've got, you know, six guys with over 500 receiving yards this season, something like that. I don't know. Um, it'll be very interesting to see that's going to be the number one development uh, as you get into football season is who is going to be the guy in the receiving core that steps up and becomes the new favorite. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like you said, they're going to try and spread it around. They're going to try and see who they have in everybody uh, before they really kind of commit to this guy is the main guy and the guy. And we're pretty much going to roll with him. Uh, But as we look and I'm trying to, uh, uh, get my names right here with uh, Bemidji State football. Uh, But they, I mean, there's some new faces there in that running back room. Uh, The transfer from Minot State, whose name is escaping me right now, Uh, but is going to be an interesting uh, outlook towards next season and to see how that running back room changes just a little bit. Because I'm looking at uh, Bemidji State's roster here. If I go by position and I try and look up who they have, uh, at running back for next year for the 2023 uh, football roster. They have categorized here by position. If I go to, uh, if I go to running back here, working my way through the offensive line right now, uh, quarterback running. Okay. So the running back room right now consists of Sage Booker, uh, the senior from De La Salle, or will be a senior next year. Uh, Jarek Gronsky uh, from Superior. Wisconsin and Jaden Washington from Rosemount and uh, Uriah Glynn. And then also on the roster of Ali Muhammad and uh, Antonio Brown, not that Antonio Brown uh, on, uh, on the roster for next season. So it's a lot of uh, Ali Muhammad was the guy from Minot state who transferred over. So 
a little bit of a, he'll be a senior this year. So you wonder if him and Booker end up getting the touches early. You wonder if maybe somebody like a Jaden Washington uh, or Uriah Glenn ends up coming through the works a little bit as the underclassman. But I think that's another development is Bemidji State's not really a one running back kind of team. They like to have kind of a two or three headed monster with their backfield anyways. So who is that 1A, 1B, 1C? At least, and again, it doesn't mean anything really for next season, but who at least has the initial edge as they end spring football and take a break and then will get ready in a few months for summer, uh, for that uh, late summer practice as they get ready for the fall. Yeah, the Beavers are somewhat like... uh... San Francisco, when it comes to running back by committee, every running back's got a different role. You know, Gronsky last year was kind of that power back. You get inside the 20, you bring him in, or inside the 10, maybe uh, you bring him in. Maybe it's a third and medium, and you need a pass pro guy in the backfield to chip a chip an edge rusher before all has to get the ball off. Gronsky's your, your bigger back, six foot, 220, uh, compared to Booker and uh, now Muhammad, who, you know, if I just have to guess, I would guess it would be kind of that same three headed monster, even though it wasn't necessarily equal reps for all three of them. Uh, but Booker and, and Muhammad uh, splitting reps as the senior running backs and then Gronsky kind of being that pass pro short short yardage kind of guy that you need in the backfield um with you know a couple of decent sophomores hopefully uh with Uriah Glenn and Jaden Washington uh waiting in the wings to see if they can make an impact yeah exactly so Ian uh anything else with Bemidji State football I mean uh or just really anything with the Beavers as we wrap up this podcast I think that's uh I think that's pretty much it I didn't have anything else on football, but I wanted to tip my cap to uh, the BSU men's golf team, who seems to be, I I don't want to say a lone bright spot. Softball's holding their own, but uh, they've been doing really well this season. I've got a lot of positive uh, headlines coming out of the Bemidji State golf program. Um, Bed Corbett, I think his name is Ben. Uh, He uh, has been doing phenomenally. He just won his first uh, collegiate tournament this last weekend. He shot one under par at 143 to win his first collegiate tournament. That was in Waterloo, Iowa, and that helped the Beavers come back to take second at the tournament uh, as a whole. So a lot of good, you know, when you run up and down this this entire, you know, slate of of schedules, this the fall season didn't kind of, it was kind of mediocre. You know, you got a couple of decent results in there uh, sprinkled in, but then you really turn the corner into March and now you got third out of nine, second out of nine, sixth out of 20, third out of 20, first out of 18, seventh out of 18, and then second out of 20 or out of 14 this last weekend. So it's, it's been a pretty good season for the golf team uh, thus far. Um, coming up soon is the uh, NSIC championships. That'll be in a couple of weeks. They have one more uh, tournament uh, in between there. In Cabot, Arkansas, the Natural State Golf Classic. So uh, that'll be this coming week, uh, Monday and Tuesday, April 17th and 18th. And then uh, that next weekend um, after this coming one, Friday through Sunday, will be the NSIC Championships. So keep an eye on that. Um, the, the golf team is having a pretty good season so far. Yeah, uh, like we said, uh, last I think last week on the podcast, we're a hashtag golf school. Yeah, it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, but you know what? They've they keep poking their head up there and making us talk about them, and that's a good thing. Um, more good exposure for the school, and congrats to those guys, and congrats to Ben Corbett. Uh, I believe he actually was named, yes, Corbett named NSIC Golfer of the Week for the second time. So, two time honor for that man, young uh, that young man right there. Uh, congratulations to him and the whole golf team. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another good week for. Uh... 
for the Bemidji State men's golf team uh, earning their title as a golf school. I think uh, next time we go there, Ian, I think we need to bring uh, bring, bring our clubs and uh, just kind of walk around campus with them as you, yeah. as you would at a normal <laughs> uh, golf school. Uh, all right. So this book bit... bag. Yeah. It's just got golf clubs in it too. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's got uh, extra golf balls in case you get bored in class. So you can work on your short game a little bit. Uh, yeah. Get in the back Perfect. out, uh, work on a, I'm trying to think of, I'm just thinking of uh deputy hall. Uh, there's almost no way you can really work on any golfing there. But I mean, if you got uh, maybe like in the old Hag Sour in the big auditorium, you can maybe work on a little bit there. You can go into those tunnels, man. That ball can travel a long way. So, it I mean, can. maybe that's what you should be doing. You know, set up a little cup, tape it to the ground, and then work on your putt game uh, down in the in the BSU tunnels. Exactly. Yeah, you can work on those ramps. You can work on getting a little resistance. And yeah, yeah. perfect. Exactly. That's probably what they do in practice. That's probably why they're a golf school. So, oh, yeah. Uh, All right, this has been the Beaver Banter Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.